Hi, everybody. You are listening to the Amazer Comic Cast. I am Kyle Bolin. We are here to talk about comic books. With me, as always, is Brian Mark. Hello. Scott James. Hey, everybody. And Todd Relu. Hey there. Yeah. All right, so this is our very first episode of the Amazer Comic Cast, the first official one. And what we're going to do is we're going to choose a comic book storyline for each podcast. We're going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it like a book club or like a bunch of guys who just want to sit around with some drinks talking about comic books. That's right. We're going to start out, since this is our first episode, just kind of talking about what our history with comic books is, what our wheelhouse is or has been and uh, kind of like, you know, where we're coming from as far as our experience with comic books in general. I want to start with Scott James. Scott, what has your experience with comic books been? Dude, you used my last name. I did. Wow. It's official, man. I'm on a comic book podcast. You are, yeah. My... Comic book right now. <laughs> totally. Outed. I'm, uh, I've never read a single page of a comic book before, so... I'm I'm the newbie. I'm the noob to comic books. No uh, comic books. No Donald zero. Ducks. No Archies. Zero. I've never read a comic book. Not even a page of it. I've read comics, mm-hmm. so I've read stuff like, uh, you know, Garfield books, Calvin and Hobbes, stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. But I've never read you know an actual story laid out like this, like a graphic novel. You know what? I heard somebody say one time, what that they're kind of similar. Comic strips. Yeah, and books. Comic books. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what that's called? What? Do you know what we call that? No. The format? No. Sequential art. Nice. Yeah. yeah. You know what? That's one of the things, and maybe we could talk about that in a minute, about the art of it. But Let's do that right after we talk to Todd Relu about his wheelhouse for comic books. <laughs> My wheelhouse is uh, <laughs> primarily the 1990s. Saved by the Bell? Yeah, that's exactly... No, no, that's exactly right. Saved by the Bell comic books. It was X-Men, the early 90s cartoon, much beloved. Which is not really a comic book. And to write it. No, no, it's true. Can I use the Avengers? You can use whatever you want. Um... But my, uh, it was 1991, I think, right? When the X-Men relaunched or thereabouts? Uh, yes, X-Men right. Volume 2. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I got, my, my parents purchased me uh, several copies. I don't think they realized. I think they thought they were buying several different comic books for me, but bought me several different cover versions of uh, X-Men number one. And uh, I really loved it, and that uh, made me love the character of Wolverine. And so I think, you know, I think it was my age as well. You know, they I were probably a, just trying to help out the publisher since they overran that by like I don't know millions of copies or something. Maybe it was well, isn't thousands. yeah? I think it's the best selling comic of all time, probably was, because yeah. of things like that. So I had seven copies, so I certainly did my part uh, to support Jeez. that. So yeah, so from that, I mean, I went through you know some of the dumbest storylines, uh, you know of recent history executioner song mm-hmm. uh things like that uh, everything with an x in it um and then i followed wolverine and his independent uh comic that's probably the one that i've had the best history of but it all stops at 125 i think when he got his adamantium back i think that's when i <laughs> basically stopped reading comics whatsoever <laughs> there, there this is bullshit very, yeah no <laughs> <laughs> there were some really dumb things that happened uh burly so, wolverine yeah, uh, well, yeah. I mean, early Wolverine. Uh, you know, you've got all the the things about how no one could tell that he was Patch. Although apparently, uh, in our storyline currently, no one can tell that Iron Man is Tony Stark, even though they're never in the same room. It's mm-hmm. the whole Superman we'll get to syndrome. that. You've, you just outed our our storyline, or at least our oh, character. Okay. Even our his butler yeah. doesn't know. What the hell? 
Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you've got that, but I mean, it's just still the... I'm thinking of this stuff, like, after issue 100 of Wolverine, where he turned into, like, a monster creature. Yeah, that's early Wolverine like, is what I was referring to. Yeah, right, exactly. I don't, you know, that, that mm-hmm. stuff was ridiculous. With his bandana. So, and, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I so, do. anyway, that's that's primarily my uh, experience. So, I'm looking to get back into uh, reading some more comics now. I've read some stuff, uh, Saga, <laughs> some things like that recently, but... Um, I'm looking to read more comics, so... Yay! Uh, comics yeah. are awesome. That's right. Brian Mark! Yeah. What do you know? Well, my experience is very similar to Todd's. I watched the X-Men TV show, and then uh, you and I started hanging out. We went to the comic book store often, mm-hmm. and we would start reading a lot of X-Men, because that's what you were into. Yeah, and, and we survived. <clears throat> yeah. We survived the experience. <laughs> And funny enough, I also ended my comic books around when uh, Wolverine lost his adamantium. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. At the end of Executioner's Song. Or whatever, right? Um, that was... Legacy no. Virus? No. Nope. Um, no. What was that? Oh, that uh, was uh, Onslaught, uh, right? No, 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 no. It was the one with Magneto, where Magneto's up in Asteroid M, and Colossus decides he's going to go hang with Magneto, and for some reason now the name's completely escaping me. Uh, yeah, it was like X Men twenty five or something, wasn't it? Or was yeah, it yeah, yeah, with a holographic little card on the cover and everything. Man, <laughs> we're like we're losing nerd points if we can't remember the name of that storyline, guys. There were so many uh, foil and holographic yeah, uh, covers, <laughs> covers right. back then. <laughs> yeah, like the one where Wolverine temporarily got his adamantium back and then lost yeah. it again and all that. Yeah. Anyway, um, we'll move on. I'll remember at some point, and maybe I'll just interject it. Yeah, the, just edit it back I'll in. in post. Just, I'll do it in post. Just, just say, <laughs> just, oh, I remember no, what it was. No, no, it no. was, and then edit it right there. <laughs> I just... remember what name it was. It was blank. <laughs> Fatal Attractions. Fatal Attractions, thank you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All so, right, so we've got two X-Men experts here from the 90s. Anyway, no, we've got one Calvin experts. and Hobbes expert. <laughs> and we've got me, who has. Oh, read... I had I had a lot of Calvin and Hobbes. I should say that <laughs> two Calvin so... and Hobbes experts. Touche. Oh, me too. Actually, I had a huge collection of Calvin and Hobbes. I like... also have. I have some Calvin and Hobbes down on the uh, the bookshelf downstairs right now. Actually, so maybe <laughs> we should just change <laughs> the, the whole Calvin and Hobbes art podcast. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> We're gonna have to read a lot of Calvin and Hobbes to talk oh, about it for an hour. Yeah, I don't think I've touched any of that for quite a while. Um, but anyway, so. Two X-Men readers, one novice, and then there's me. I've read a lot of X-Men, a lot of Spider-Man, and a lot of everything else. I've read a lot of stuff. I'm, no, I'm by no means an expert on any of it. I kind of tend to dabble and jump in and out of things when it's good and jump out when it's bad. Um, and that refers to just about anything. You know, your mainstream superhero comics, your non-superhero comics, your sex criminals, which is all good. Uh, whatever. You know, it's all good. So that's that's who I am. And... I guess that's why I got to talk first on the podcast. Today, though, we are talking about <laughs> Iron Man. It's all, it's all merit-based here. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I decided last. I was winning, so I decided that I would get to talk first, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Once like, you guys read more comics, then you get to talk first. You know what? That's okay. what I've learned comics are all about, winning yeah. dominance. Yeah. It is. It, well, it is. Uh-oh. I, I think we've got Robot Brian back on. Robot Brian, what did you think of Iron Man, Demon in a Bottle, issues 120 through 128? Uh, wait, you so, can't hear me? Yeah, oh, no, no, we can. Hear can. You. Yeah, you turned into Robot Brian again. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, something's it's wrong with It's almost you. as if some <laughs> evil genius in the distance is manipulating his microphone. <laughs> like somebody's diddling my microphone from remotely? Yeah, remotely. Yeah, they, like maybe on some it, floating island town fort. They've made it through your refractory <laughs> oh, yeah. coating or whatever it is that you normally use to guard right. your microphone. In like your plexiglass. Yeah. It's just yeah. abstract <laughs> enough that you don't know why it's being messed up. Uh, yeah. Is it a malfunction or is there something is malicious like going my on? New microphone setup, so. Hmm. Yeah, it Scott, doesn't work as well as your last one. I can't believe that you. This is like your first comic book. I know. It's my, like, I'm a comic book version. I, I feel like you've got to be on many of these episodes and just like to track your understanding <laughs> of comics through like whatever storylines. It, it was picked. stunning. And I'm glad that this was <laughs> the first comic that I ever read. Because this initial... Can we talk about this? This initial scene with Tony Stark in the airplane is completely ridiculous. Uh-huh. And I love it. It's uh-huh. great. Yes. Uh, what is he doing flying in an airplane? He's Iron Man. They haven't even mentioned where he's going, I think. Yeah. I think it's like... It's not even he doesn't seem to what, care. No. He's <laughs> no. on an airplane. They've got booze here. I'm on. <laughs> he's got three empty bottles of gin right there on his little tray. From the get-go. The pictures, speaking of art, the pictures of the airplane, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's totally absurd. Uh, (laughs) Do you mean because of how huge it is or for some other reason? Yeah, it's huge. And there's that (laughs) that page, um, it's like page 11, I guess, if if you have the e-reader version, but where the masks Mm -hmm. drop down, Mm -hmm. it's like they're inside of some kind of, like, I don't know, it's it's three times as big as any airplane could possibly be. It's enormous. Yeah, it's like a warehouse flying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Iron Man, like when he finally flies out of the airplane and is gonna save it, he looks like a little ant next to it. <laughs> it looks like a space shuttle in one of these pictures. It looks like bigger than a space shuttle. It looks like some sort of like space station from like a sci-fi movie. Anyway, uh, yeah, it was just it was really interesting to you know to have this experience here with Iron Man. It's crazy. How did it um? How did it meet with your expectations? I'm curious about that. Well, so okay, yeah. I mean, my experience to quote unquote comic books is the movies, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's been this movement of where all the movies seem to like. I mean, Avengers is maybe a little bit different. Some of them are more or less this way, but trying to make superheroes seem real, mm-hmm. you know, like Unbreakable, right? It's like how could a superhero fit into real world? Yeah, everything about the comic books is just about things happening that these superheroes are you know unbeatable they're just really powerful they don't have to be realistic at all you know Mm -hmm. it's just there's no attempt to make it realistic it reminds me of uh professional wrestling actually (laughs) yeah and recently i thought about professional wrestling i thought it's actually kind of cool you know all it is is an accentuation of this masculine idea of just fighting a lot and you know bravado and all this stuff in comic books it's just like it's just really accentuated you know superpowers or idealism and just it just doesn't make any apologies it's just that's all it is so uh time that's yeah tends to hold true even into current um current sort of comic book comic books the there's going to be a lot of differences between the comic book you read for this and a more modern comic book, something from, say, like the 2000s onward, um, even like the late 90s onward, you would notice some pretty 
substantial differences between the way that they're written, the way that the story's conveyed. Uh, you would notice some big differences there. I was curious about how you enjoyed this particular book because it's from 1979 yeah. and it's still using constant thought bubbles, narrating exactly what the yeah. hero's thinking and doing and everything. Uh, oh, does that not happen? No. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's old school comics. There. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I thought that was cool. I figured all of them would do that. I mean, that was the one part of it is there's so much less text in this than what you would see in a book or just the lines in a movie, right? There's just mm -hmm. so much, there's so much art and so little text compared to like a novel, you know, and compared I think it'd be to, hard to tell a story, you know? Compared to a a contemporary comic book, there's a massive amount of text in this particular story. Huh. Yeah, I would say I thought it was anyway. That's surprising. It was yeah, yeah. It is if you go back and you read the like 1970s, 1960s, 1980s comic books, they tend to have a a ton of text. <clears throat> excuse me, compared to modern comic books, like today's comic books. Uh, today's comic books have definitely shifted to a show don't tell sort yeah. of method of storytelling and these old comic books are very 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 much rooted in <laughs> tell every possible thing you can think of yeah and it seems i mean i think it either was a limitation on the art or that they assumed that readers couldn't understand what was going on without it because it's i mean it's a lot of like you know because you're taking sort of still snapshots of yeah. you know, fights and things like that and so iron man is explaining everything that he's doing then rather than i think now they try to you know use motion across the page or at least something yeah. to to try to show what he's doing rather than having him explain it all <laughs> but in I sort of a very wordy thought bubble i think it's a shame because the these thought bubbles and like the little interjections that kind of tell you what's going on they use such ridiculous language it's hilarious mm -hmm. you know yeah. There was That's one true. like bubble that came up and, and said that that you know he would just tony was just talking to beth and it was just they said that it was a moist goodbye. <laughs> it was like, they yes, use these right. adjectives that are just yes. crazy. Like, it just adds a flair to the to the book, you know? It makes it more it's, fun to read. It, I'm waiting to hear what they're going to say. It's an interesting thing to go back and look at to me. I don't mm -hmm. necessarily enjoy it the way I enjoy a contemporary comic book. It, it almost seems like an exercise in academic study for me, going back and reading something this old. Wow. Um, You've gotten comic book lazy, bro. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe that's it. Um, but uh, no, I don't know. I feel like it's a it's a difference in like the elegance of storytelling. Really, I feel like that like that we go back here and this was like a very celebrated storyline. This is a storyline that people will say like is one of their top Iron Man stories of all time, one hmm. of their top storylines of all time. And I think that's just because like at the time it was probably pretty novel, and at the time it was probably um, you know tackling a subject that most comic books hadn't decided to try to tackle with the alcoholism being addressed at some point right yeah and i guess that's one of my other criticisms of it is they call it demon in a bottle yeah from issue 120 on and like the only reference yeah. to alcohol is like some alcohol use like through the first eight issues right yeah and like like maybe oh i shouldn't have had that martini like as he's getting hit by namor who probably was gonna yeah. hit him anyway right. you know uh, you get hit he, by one rock because yeah, you drink well, a Namor has martini. a serious thing for throwing boulders. I mean, he throws the one tank, but then it's just boulder after boulder after boulder. <laughs> He's, his boulders are like I like the barrels to Donkey Kong or something like that. I don't know where he keeps He's amazed them. at how well he can throw things in the air I, versus underwater. I love, I love Namor in this. I think he's, he's great. amazing. 
but dude, he's freaking hilarious. Yeah. Are we going to get into our adult beverages that we have with us? Because oh, sure. I was yeah, really excited to talk about that yeah. before we got in the story. Well, let's. Yeah, let's... before we deal with somebody trying to overcome alcoholism, we should talk about the alcohol. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, Scott, you're, you're excited. Let's hear what you got. Well, I mean, I'm excited to talk about it mostly because I want to hear what you guys are drinking. I'm drinking a wheat beer from Germany that mm-hmm. was fermented in the bottle. I really like these really bready wheat beers and i mm-hmm. typically have them in the fridge at all times so when you told me right before this podcast to have an adult beverage it's it's what i grabbed and i love it nice what's it called uh it's erdinger 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 yeah okay nice <laughs> brian brian what are you drinking i am recovering from an illness so i'm having herbal tea it's kind of lame did you put any gin or whiskey in it uh, yeah i actually have a bottle of uh, um, bourbon bottled in bond, yeah, mm-hmm. McKenna ten year, nice. nice. That you, you, put, in, that you, you put in it or no, not? I'm staring at it, maybe. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> thinking right. about He's it. Thinking about they're, they're in the same proximity yeah, it's like with my each own other. demon yes. in a bottle. There's gonna be some osmosis <laughs> between the glass or something. He's talking to me. All right, Todd, what are you drinking? I have an Angry Orchard Hard Cider. Nice. It is a drink that doesn't taste like ass. Yeah, that yeah, should be their new slogan. True. Yeah. Drink that doesn't taste like ass. <laughs> they can use that. They can they can put it on the bottle if they Angry want. Angry Orchard, if that you're one's listening, free. you are. Yeah, you can come and underwrite us, and we'll do that yeah. every single time. Doesn't taste like ass. <laughs> <laughs> I am drinking a New Belgium Plus Ben and Jerry's Salted Caramel Brownie Brown Ale. That's too many ingredients in a beer. Wow, that is That's a lot of browns. <laughs> yeah, no. Our our good friend uh, Gabriel Kang informed me about this because it's coming from uh, you know the Fort Collins, Colorado Brewery, New Belgium, and he was super excited about it. So I ran out and got some last week, and they're delicious. Holy cow. Good deal. If you're into a, a darker sort of brown ale and you kind of like a sweeter beer, then this one's pretty good. It's not overpoweringly sweet, but just enough to enjoy it. Good dessert beer, I think. Is it malty? A little bit. Nice. Not, not overly malty. A little bit. I like a sweet malty beer in the winter. Yeah, you would like this. I've got another six-pack in the... Uh, in the cupboard. So if you make it here in time, you're welcome to help me out with it. Thanks, bro. No problem. Anytime. All right. So getting back to Iron Man, Demon in a Bottle. What did everybody else think about this? We got Scott's kind of initial thoughts. Brian, what, what was your reaction to this story? I thought it was kind of all over the place. And and you guys were saying <laughs> they were named a Demon in the Bottle. I think they named it at the end, right? At the last issue. Oh, no. Yes. That was the name of the last issue, but it's also the name of the entire storyline. If you go back to issue 120 and you look at the first page, it says, like, Demon in a Bottle oh, Part 1. Yeah. Yeah. It, but then the actual, the, yeah, the individual story yeah. in, in the last issue is Demon in but a Bottle. But, Brian, you're right, man. It just comes out of yeah. nowhere. Like, they tack on this alcoholism story at the yeah. end. That's like, <laughs> yeah, they, they incidentally had alcohol, and every once in a while, he would blame yeah, what it seems a like. drink on his poor performance uh, and then at the, or or have somebody call him out on it. That's that's it's nine thirty in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> or right. or that's your fourth drink of the day. It was like a very forced attempt to like show that he's abusing yeah. alcohol. I don't know if it had to do with the time because you know this is kind of like when like Mad Men was popular, the TV show. Yeah, nineteen seventy nine. Right? Isn't that no no no? Was Mad Men. This is no. like nineteen seventy nine is like right between Mad Men actually happening and. When it became popular, that's true. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, didn't Mad Men start? Didn't the, the beginning of Mad Men wasn't that nineteen fifty nine? Yeah, it, into the 60s, it, like, right it, it like moved into the sixties, and it ended right. like right as the seventies uh, were coming. 
So about 10 years later. It was the boom of advertising when alcohol became like okay to drink, like cigarettes became okay to smoke, right? I think it was Mad Men focused on the time when it started to potentially phase out. Like they weren't going to be smoking as much in the office, maybe no alcohol. It was kind of the tail end of all that. The beginning of the end, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's a good point. I mean, I never thought like why should he be alcoholic, right? Because Iron Man obviously is this like, you know, capitalist arms dealer. Right. You know, he's a high functioning uh, alcoholic. So (laughs) what's wrong with having one too many drinks in the morning? (laughs) Right. He's Iron Man. His suit can compensate. It it seemed like a forced attempt to try to make a social commentary about alcoholism or show like, you know, it's, it's detrimental effect, but it it was very clumsily handled throughout the the bulk of the story where it's just, let's just show alcohol abuse, but not show dependency or any sort of like, you know, difficulty functioning because he's drunk, except for the one time he comes back home, like completely looking like a bum. Right. Um, Yeah. After hanging out with, I don't, was that like a hooker or just like a, a a floozy or something like that that he Uh, came home with? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember who that was supposed to be, but um, he comes home with some lady and then treats his secretary like complete crap. And then, see, that was issue 125. I wrote down in my notes, first time we get to see drunk bum Tony under 125. (laughs) So it took us five full issues to get there. I guess that would be the sixth issue. Yep. Yeah. Which seems far into a storyline that's titled Demon in a Bottle. It is... Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the rest of the time he's kicking butt. I mean, right? I, he's like I think, unbeatable, right? Yes, <laughs> like the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> There's never, you know. I thought we would get to a point at which he would actually face a really tough foe, but it's nope. no, you know, it's a battleship. No. I can rip it apart, right. or it's a floating island. I'll fly through it. You know, I mean, it's there's nothing. Nothing stands up to him. Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. Namor was the only thing that challenged him at all physically. Yeah, and and then Wait. he was forced with. What's up, Scott? What, no, in Vegas, didn't he get frozen, heated at the same time, and then whiplashed? For but, a second. Like, one panel. There was, like, one panel where it looked like maybe someone would get the upper hand on him. And then you go to the next issue, and it's like, nope, sorry, I'm Iron Man still. Right, and, yeah. And everything's fine, yeah. I so, think maybe should... it, it kind of played into the whole, you know how when he got, his powers were taken over, and he ended up killing that, whatever, he, like, that diplomat or whatever? Yeah. Yep. Like, him just feeling out of control and doing things that were reckless that he would have to live with later. Yeah. It was alcoholism where he picked up that train and he dropped it and there's like that poison going out and he's just being stupid. Um, yeah, but that's the final issue where we yeah, finally see the actual like detrimental effects of alcohol. But I was just trying to thread like the, you know, as a normal human, when you have alcoholism, you do some stuff that you regret and it can be, you know, pretty catastrophic. As a superhero, right. he he could do some stuff and get overtaken by an enemy, and have his suit malfunction. And somebody take over his suit and kill somebody. Yeah, it's, but it's the, it's something the time... special to a superhero. You know, I don't know if yeah. they're just trying to weave those two concepts together somehow. Maybe, maybe they're just trying to show he's helpless, he's out of control, he can't control this. But yeah, yeah. it was someone else controlling it very explicitly right. in the comic book, so it's kind of right. hard to like equate the two things. Uh, and yeah, like we don't really see any real consequences until the second to last issue. I think is where we start to see some consequences because that's where he's noticing that children are scared of him because he killed that um, that ambassador. Yeah, again, Mr. not because I, he I was drunk. Name, I wrote his no, not because he's drunk. No, but like there's some consequences to what's happened to him at least through the storyline, right? Yeah, because yeah. this is the other thing that I was thinking about. <clears throat> he kills somebody like 
his armor kills somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and in any sort of like contemporary period of time, if somebody built a piece of equipment that someone else could whether they're clever or not, take control of it and murder politicians with it, I don't think they'd be okay with giving that back to him at any point. Or let him Yeah, this sort of notion like, oh, you're cleared, you know. Right. Uh, Anybody can take over your armor. Let's holster our weapons, boys. (laughs) Yeah, they'd want some kind of like oversight or regulation on it, right? Yeah. It'd be regulating Iron Man. (laughs) Right. Which... Backdoor to Iron Man. Yeah, exactly. Some some way to monitor. <laughs> That's it a different comic book. If needed and everything. Oh, it's there. Yeah. Backdoor Ooh. Iron Man. Oh, Brian. Backdoor Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, I was torn as to whether the cop was making a super smart choice or a super dumb choice in, well, in letting Iron Man go because his explanation makes sense to me. Yeah. If Iron Man wants to leave, he's going to leave. Right. I, right. I might as well not throw my <laughs> the cops in my precinct at him as he's going. Now, right. I don't know if I missed it, but was there a reason why he avoided calling the Avengers to help investigate this whole mystery around his armor? Did they give an explanation I, I, for that? I think, they slipped... I think it's because the comic is Iron Man. Yeah, I mean... I think he, I think he was it. a little prideful that he didn't want right. to admit that he there was an issue right. and relinquish control to the Avengers. He, he right? mentions not wanting help, at least when Bethany Cape comes to his rescue at one point. Just, yeah. just as a general thing. He doesn't like it when people have to come to his rescue or, or whatever. So maybe that was part of it, but they don't explicitly state that. That might be something you have to read between the lines on. Um, and as far as the Avengers not knowing who he is, I was trying to remember, did Captain America know who he was? Because he had that great tr- fight training montage with Captain America that turns him into a ninja. Right. I couldn't yeah. tell yeah, if they right. knew him or not. I don't think they did. No. I don't yeah. think they're supposed to, but I, yeah, I was wondering if there was kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge Maybe. piece of that. But sort of like Commissioner Gordon and Batman at times, or anybody in Patch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Patch. <laughs> yeah, right. Quotation fingers. Yeah, I think there's a lot of inconsistencies in the the Tony Stark character. I thought like the uh, whole thing about not having control of his own company, um, having shield somehow take over his company through stocks i was like what normal businessman would be like oh yeah i'll leave uh, you know 51 percent of it on the market and i'll just only keep 49 percent there's like nobody would ever do that a man with a very faithful butler <laughs> yeah right so there are apparently 100 shares in stark <laughs> incorporated yes. it only took two shares for shield to go from 49 to 51 percent right mm-hmm. <laughs> yep I don't know. It was the 1970s. I don't know what the stock market was like back then. It wasn't around. Oh, so, okay. In general, Brian, did you enjoy this? I did not. I think I felt like I was slogging through Gosh. through it. Okay. Just yeah. the, it, just, it didn't feel like a, a real character. It just felt like a caricature. Wow, that's so funny. I thought, yeah, this is going to be interesting for me to go through this because that's what I thought was great about it. That it's a caricature? Yeah, the, the, there's no character depth to it. It's just stuff that happens, crap that happens. There's a couple people holding up oh, ideals. Man, I, know, I know what book we should read with Scott next. <laughs> so that's how comic books are supposed to be. They're supposed to have real characters in them. That's how they've evolved. That's what they've evolved into. Right. Interesting. The um, they are, you see a lot of people out there trying to argue legitimacy for their, the mediums they're interested in, right? Like You've got people out there that try to argue that there's a legitimate... like. Um, value to video games these days right trying to argue whether or not video games are art or not and if you go back to just playing pong or pac-man or super mario brothers nobody cared 
right? Yeah. There was there was never a need to try to legitimize this more than what it was. That's kind of what comic books were like for a very long time. Um, I think they were kind of seen as – I mean they started out as like a pulp thing, right? Something that you would just pick up off the stand for a nickel or whatever and, and, and give it to your kids after you're done reading it at home after work or whatever. And, and they kind of evolved eventually into trying to be something more than that. Uh, you start to see the superhero comics trying to tackle social issues. You see Superman doing that a bit early on, but like you saw a big like sort of uh, revolution in the '60s and the '70s. I think especially in the '70s with people trying to tackle issues like drug abuse. You know, like yeah. I don't know, like like heavy social issues like that. And that's why we're seeing this in a 1979 uh, story of Iron Man. They weren't very good at it in terms of the way that they uh, conveyed the the story. I don't think like compared to contemporary methods of storytelling. And so what we see through the 90s and the 2000s is we see a better evolution of, of how to tell those stories and uh, develop characters in a way that, that is more meaningful, uh, deeper, and, and to also tell stories that are not so ham-fisted. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I think, you know, I liked this, uh, but not because of any of the reasons why I think it's memorable to people. I think I think the storyline for Tony's drinking and, and his ultimate intervention by uh, Miss McCabe and all that, I think it's, it, it is very ham-fisted and poorly done. But there are elements of this that I thought were great. Hiram Dobbs. Yes. Uh, the <laughs> former Hoosier. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Who winds up on his own island and shoots Tony Stark with rocket bullets Dude, at yeah, some point. Bullets. And then when they come down and they're going to beat the tar out of each other, he turns into a pacifist and tells him about his life story. I thought he was awesome. I thought Roxanne Oil was great. The guy who was just sitting there like, <laughs> talking crap to, oh, I don't know, whoever, whoever, who's Tony Stark's black friend? Jim Rhodey. Yes, Rhodey was great. <laughs> um, and then Iron Man, they're like, Rocks and oil thinks they're so tough, and then Iron Man just plows through the side of their ship, and they're like, "Oh my god, we never thought he'd do that," which is like the most <laughs> obvious thing ever. Right? Um, what about his origin story in Wong Chu? Is that guy not the shit? He was awesome. He's like, "Oh, okay. Well, Tony Stark is missing. I'm going to delegate that. I'm going to go out and wrestle the villagers." <laughs> like what? <Yeah>. That's great. <laughs> That's fantastic. These are the characters that made this book for me. Oh, mm-hmm. and Melter, Melter, best villain ever. So you didn't, you didn't like the frog guy? Oh no, name? the frog. Okay, well, when, you get, <laughs> when you get later on and you get the whole that whole group of uh, villains <laughs> of D-list villains, <laughs> yes, yeah, so threw at him all at the same time. The porcupine. <laughs> yes, I was wondering what the hell that guy was. God, that guy's awesome. Why does he have grenades in his suit? <laughs> Who knows? Who is he? None of that stuff makes any sense. Yeah. Um, before we get to those guys who definitely follow the rule of ninjas, like one ninja is a problem, but 15 ninjas is like nothing. That's the same way with these D-list villains. Um, Melter is my favorite of the first group, although Whiplash is a close second. Melter is great because you obviously think that's the problem with his power, right? It takes forever. And that is indeed his downfall. (laughs) Is that (laughs) he can't melt him in time before Iron Man just beats the crap out of him. I mean, it's, that's that's fantastic. I like the. I just like the fact that, I mean, it would never be memorable, but for this storyline about his drinking. But I just like that he walked through the whole thing, just beating the crap out of everybody. Yeah. Without any question, it was clearly this sort of Superman situation, but without any effort to give him a villain that was worthy of him. Yeah. It was just like I'm gonna do whatever I want, anytime I want. It's 
pretty weird. I was just thinking when you were describing the Melter that the Melter should team up with, like, some guy named Microwave, whose yes. whole thing is that he just, like, irradiates you slowly over the course of his career, <laughs> maybe giving you cancer by the end of it. Right. That's, like, the, the question about the Hulk, right? If the Hulk is, like, slowly irradiating everyone around him. Yeah. I, yeah, there was. I think there's been a storyline in Spider-Man where there was question about whether or not all of uh, Spider-Man and Mary Jane's intimate moments were going to give her some sort of cancer or some sort of radiation poisoning. You you know you know he's shooting radiation. Yeah, you know exactly. It. Yeah, shooting loads of radiation. Lead condoms. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, right. There you go. While we're talking about Rhodey uh, very briefly, I just want to uh, mention that uh, under my notes for issue 120, the first issue, I just yeah. wrote down Rhodey's tiny hat. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. You guys noticed that or not? God, that's awesome. Plus the afro. It's the two. It's the hair plus the hat right, together. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's pretty good. Yeah, I'd take Rhodey any day. Bethany McCabe, I could take her leave, but right. Rhodey's awesome. Yeah, bet she's just a, uh, a stand-in for the other redheads in Tony's life. There's yeah. always some, apparently. I mean, Rhodey's obviously TC, right? Mm-hmm. From Magna P.I. Same dude. Keep telling... Tell us more. I've only watched Magnum P.I. with you never... on vacation. Oh, <laughs> boy. Well, anyway, any of those Magnum P.I. fans out there, he's got the black friend who, like, knows how to fly things and do some things, and he just kind of shows up to help out occasionally. But he's, like, super trustworthy and, like, is really reliable, but he's just kind of he's kind of like a sidekick that can fly a helicopter. You know what might be the case is that TC might actually be roadie. You know what? Yeah. Yeah, Magnum yeah, P.I. Yeah. yeah. Magnum P.I. might be a huge Iron Man fan. <laughs> <laughs> and so when he made his show about himself he decided to make a character that was just like Rhodey you know Magnum P.I. started in 1980 it totally could be yeah I know <laughs> I knew it was in 80s yeah so yeah I think the thing that made uh, this for me Todd was kind of what you're talking about the the ridiculous characters that are a lot of fun you know uh, Namor is just a lot of fun as far as a villain goes he's very very Silver Age sort of like villain speech delivery and everything oh, he's great and what, what, okay, what about the fact that his one, apparently, one weakness is water pollution? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> he just was incapacitated immediately to the point that Hiram Dobbs, who has no other, you know, like, skill whatsoever other than shooting rocket bullets, is able, has to nurse him back to health. It's, it's amazing. With soup, it looked like? Oh, God. And both, both of the stories about why Hiram Dobbs was stuck on that island were great. Either Namor hates him and has stranded him here, or Namor loves him and is protecting him on his island. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, both are awesome. They're BFF now, apparently. They just, like, hang out together. It definitely sounded like Namor was just hanging with him, like, for the weekend or something after he had nursed him <laughs> yes, back to health. that's right. He didn't have a kingdom to get back to or anything, so I'll just hang here and we'll just chill together. It Throw tanks and stuff. Yeah, it was, it was this just this feel of how, you know, like, I, I don't know, it's in some ways... There's so much of this comic that's unbelievable, but in some ways, some of this crap is totally believable to me in the way that, like, if you had super-powered people around, they would just create these weird relationships with, like, weird people on the borders of society who they happen to run into at times of need or something. You're totally you know, I mean, right. like that's That's not something we haven't seen before. Do you guys Did you guys read much of the Superman comics in the 90s right after he, came, like, died, came back to life and yeah, all that? No. Or was I the only one? I collected all the first issues of the ones who followed him, and it stopped. Oh, there was that guy that looked like Popeye, who he was friends with, kind of. <laughs> he was like, I'm Superman's favorite, or whatever. Like, that was always his tagline. <laughs> Do you remember? That's great. No, I, I don't know. know. Like, he, he sounds he, awesome, though. Yeah, you'd like him. <laughs> yeah, I already do. I keep wanting to call him Bubba, but that's not it. It's something like that. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. I think that that was what I, I loved. And I also, the one other thing that I'll mention is the fact that, unlike so many comics I'm used to, these things time sequentially right after each other. There's some, there's like a point after which Iron Man and Namor fight, and you start the third issue of this series, and you get a few panels of Namor like going back to the sea, like, yeah. you know, surface dwellers be tripping. Right, you know, I mean, that's that's essentially the whole point of him being there. I was like, is Namor sticking around? Nope, just a few panels of him going back down to the depths. Yeah, they hadn't shown him leave yet in the last issue, right. so they need to cover that in the next one. That's an important part. Continuity, <laughs> baby. Yeah, that's right. It's it, I don't know. There were, we there were several no, things I really liked. It, that kind of speaks to this need to like leave absolutely nothing to the imagination or leave absolutely nothing in between the panels. You know, like in terms of the the, the motivations of the characters, the their decisions, the actions that they're carrying on, uh, through. Like all of it gets explained through words. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's right. I think it's yeah. exactly right. You know, um, Todd. I, I was just gonna say that along the lines of something that's kind of realistic in this comic book that's kind of surprising yeah. is that when, when Tony Stark ends up becoming Iron Man and going out and just doing random good deeds, mm-hmm. you know, just, I'm just going to head out and do some random crap. And he just helps some lady with like her car that's broken down. Oh, you know, yeah, like after, yeah. after he has that, like, I'm going to try to work, but I can't work because I'm still an alcoholic. Yeah. Let me go I'm do something to, fun. I'm gonna go be Iron Man now. Yeah. I'm just going to go <laughs> like, they never show that from what I've been exposed to, like in movies and stuff, like, and I don't know if other comic books do that, but just like random little tasks, you know, that you might want to do around the city or whatever. It like, doesn't also be Iron Man anymore. I, I, it may be the sort of thing that you see more often in in um, older comic books, but today there's a very tight story written for somewhere between like three to nine issues generally in a yeah. comic book, and so you see this very tight story where you don't see any downtime, you don't see any any like sea level tasks or anything like yeah. that being carried out by the characters that's sort of it's sort of like completely lost on on today's comics maybe yeah. with a few exceptions and that, but that allowed uh one of two people in this uh in this series of books to use the words she or, or she i don't know it's, I feel they're like saying it's, shit without having to say shit that's what i'm wondering it's like right between shit and shoot so that they can avoid the, the comics code yeah, limitation code back then yeah also Ooh. there's a point at which <laughs> i think i forget if it's melter i think it is melter i think after after melter gets beaten he's knocked down through the floor by iron man and winds up a, a, around a bunch of dancers and instead of calling him a pervert at least in the version i have which is the kindle version they called him a prevert which I don't know if that's like a precog for like perverted things. Like you can envision what perverted thing you're going to do in the future. I don't know. So anyway, maybe so. Maybe that was another way. That's the his other code. power. He just doesn't know how to use it very it well. Takes a really long time. <laughs> yeah, that's it right. Does. Nice catch, Todd. Yeah. Well. Any other thoughts for. on a demon in a bottle? I think we've kind of talked about we. We enjoyed it. We didn't enjoy it, depending on whose opinion we're talking about. But I think we can all agree that it seems a bit outdated and a bit silly in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. Yep. I think that's probably right. Yeah, a lot of wordy. It's very. It feels padded to me. It feels like there's a lot of filler uh, in between. But maybe that's just because I'm used to reading more modern comics now and those things move. I'm kind of surprised at how many elements were put into the movies from this uh, Well, okay, line. yeah, that's something else I wanted to actually mention <laughs> that... Well, uh, the the second Iron Man movie was loosely based on this storyline. The whole Justin Hammer thing is in there. Uh, the the character of Whiplash was the main 
super villain in that in that storyline. And they even tried to shoehorn in Tony's alcoholism during that that party he's having, where he's completely out of control, and it comes to a head where he and Rhodey fight in the two different armors. Um, so that I guess that was one other thing to maybe mention here was that this was the story that they at least claimed was the inspiration for Iron Man too. Um, and that and when he's imprisoned and he kind of makes up a crude yeah, the Iron, first Man. Iron Man. That's yeah, to break out Iron Man one. Yeah, that's well, that's the first Iron Man. But I mean, uh, it's clearly from this story, right? No, or okay, does that so happen this, to him all the time? <laughs> no, that was a retelling of the origin. For some reason, yeah. So, um, on my notes for issue one twenty two, my only note was clip show because it yeah, was basically right. just like a a a retelling of the origin, which has already been told even at this point in comic continuity. That at least got told back in Tales of Suspense, where Iron Man started out. So they're just going back, and it seemed like a filler issue to me, where they were basically just like showing his origin again in the middle of another story, which is inexplicable, I think, uh, because he was on the he was listening to the radio while he flew back to America, right? <laughs> so he daydreamed about his origin, apparently. <laughs> My favorite parts of the origin story, other than Wong Shu, I think, or Wong Chu, uh, who I already talked about, I, I I really like the fact that he's got shrapnel that's slowly making its way to his heart. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of like when Captain Britain, uh, you may remember this, was shot by like living bullets and it was like slowly working its way through his force field. I don't know. I just feel like if you get hit by shrapnel, you're either dead or you're seriously wounded and dying <laughs> or you're okay. It's not like a shrapnel is slowly climbing toward your heart. Oh, That's think, not how it works. I think it just implies that his innards are made of gelatin and shrapnel <laughs> is somehow slowly melting the gelatin over time. <laughs> And plus, in case you yourself in metal, I wasn't sure quite how that saved him. I don't know. I, it didn't. It didn't really work for me. Well, it, it was the same. Wasn't it the same explanation in the movie? And they just said that they made like yeah, an electromagnet or something exactly. like that. Or, it was the same yeah, explanation. Yeah, yeah, to keep it in place. Or maybe I'm thinking of another explanation. Yeah, that's for his right. Power, or whatever. But um, or his his origin story. But yeah, either way, the 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 electromagnet or, or whatever it is they call it that they put in his chest gets used as the power source for the first version of the armor, and then he iterates on it over and over and over again until finally, depending on where you're at in the story, uh, they find one way or another to repair his heart, and then he just you know has armor that has the the repulsor tech in it or whatever the explanation is at the time, because um, they've they've certainly gone they've retconned him several times with the uh, or at least once with the the origin of where he was at. Like back then it was um, Vietnam. If you read a more contemporary story, the explanation is that it was in Afghanistan, just like in the movies. So, yeah. But anyway, yeah, that was just that looked like a filler issue there where they showed the origin story from Iron Man one uh, told as Vietnam rather than Afghanistan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> And then the rest of it were elements that got put into Iron Man 2, which I think most people consider the worst Iron Man movie. So, I don't know. They either chose some poor source material for a movie coming out in the middle of the 2000s or the end of the 2000s, or uh, they just didn't do a very good job of adapting it, I guess. I don't know. Oh, did you guys enjoy that old lady that kept showing up? Yeah, Yeah, she's there twice, right? Yeah, she really reminded... Did you guys ever watch the old Roger Moore Bond films? I have seen them. Do you remember that couple that was always on vacation? Uh, always yes. <laughs> it reminded me of that. <laughs> I, I don't really liked it. I mean, it's crazy, but it's just, I don't know. It just felt like one of those like nice touches. I, just a comedic throwaway, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. presence. No, I, I like that. I like there being like a little levity. <clears throat> I uh, love the it. 
for that. That that's kind of nice. I, I do enjoy that. You lose a lot of that in yes. some more modern that's... comic books, which which try to play things very seriously often. But... Can I try to draw a parallel, Kyle? I'm, I'm not sure if you're going to hate me for bringing this up, but you can do whatever you want on this really? podcast. Okay, yeah, take your pants off, whatever. <laughs> Too late. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> <laughs> no pants. I thought this was like uh, <laughs> this was just like vanilla Wow to me. Uh-huh. which just had like a bunch of crap in it. It was kind of dirty, messy, useless stuff. Yeah. Really a lot more complicated, way more text, but it had like the downtime. It had like stuff that was throwaway. It was just garbage. Mm-hmm. And to me, it makes it more interesting. Like I really loved reading this. I've never been into comic books, but like I was looking forward to every time I got a chance to open it up and kind of like read more about it. And I loved those little moments where it was like, it just talked about Tony, like talking to himself. You know, trying mm-hmm. to figure out, like, get away or feel guilty about something or, like, one of these weird characters pops up or they, he has a random fight with three pretty lame supervillains in a casino. Like, they were all it was just, <laughs> like, it, it was so just, like, light but, like, full of nuance and complexity that had a point or maybe didn't have a point. Um I, sometimes I get sick of like these stories where like every character has like a twist to it, or like I was expecting mm-hmm. that floozy that he was with to be like a double agent or something. Like trying I was to trick too, him. but it's but just a floozy. She was just a floozy, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, why can't like I kind of like that about the story. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I kind of thought it was it reminded me of Vanilla WoW versus like Modern WoW. That's an interesting comparison. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, that there's just there's a lot of stuff in it. It doesn't all make sense. It isn't very refined, <laughs> but there's a lot to enjoy in spite of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just content. Yeah, it's just content. It's just full of content. Yeah. <laughs> this is nine issues of content, man. What more do you want? <laughs> we put pictures and words. Which is funny because that's probably yeah, that's probably the way they put it together too. We have a page limit that we've got to fill. Yeah, Let's get some content true. in there. <laughs> Loosely connected. Uh, but ink on paper, boys. There. That's right. <laughs> I also, I, I will say, I did not realize, I had always thought, um, uh, incorrectly, obviously, that Captain America was the lead of the Avengers. I didn't realize that he wasn't Iron even, Man... Well, he wasn't even a founding member of the Avengers. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I remember they found him while the Avengers oh, found right. Captain yeah. America frozen in ice. Do you remember who the founding member of the Avengers is? No. <laughs> the Wasp. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, she's been treated well over the years. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, speaking of but social issues... <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, right. No. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Hank Pym the stories. Hank Pym where yeah. he beats his wife. <laughs> yeah. Awkward. I started reading a, a an issue of Ant Man uh, from a few years ago where uh, he's talking about like trying to right his wrongs and and like uh, try to do something socially conscious and everything. To he like he like opens like a battered women's shelter or something like that, and it just seems like that's in poor taste even for you. You know, like just step <laughs> away from it. Do something else. <laughs> And shut your mouth. You know, go away, Hank Pym. No one likes yeah, you. Yeah, right. Anyway. Yeah. Well, they had Ant-Man in this one, too. They had a little bit of him. He went in and talked to Whiplash in prison because he's an ex-con and thus knows. It was interesting to see that, too, because I've read some stuff with Scott Lang recently. I, I read FF, the, where he takes over for Reed Richards. Okay. And he's nowhere. Like, he was very intimidating when he when he popped up in front of Whiplash. Uh, it just doesn't seem like his character necessarily no. in the comics that I see. Although... He did take down Doctor Doom, so you know maybe he maybe he's got a, a right there to be as intimidating as he was. So he the threat I think that he laid out I can't find it now, but I think the threat he laid out against Whiplash is I'm going to break something that it's hard to put a cast on. I guess yeah. the question is what was he going to break? 
Something internally, I would assume. I guess. Jump inside your body and then break the spleen or or inner ear or something. Who knows? The spleen cast. Mm -hmm. That's what he... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, God, there was a lot of filler. There was a lot of content. A lot of content. A lot of of guest stars. Okay. So, any other other last thoughts on this? Uh, Filing cabinets make good weapons. That happened twice. Filing cabinets, (laughs) tanks, rocks. Last thoughts. Wow. Yeah. Aquarium. I thought it was weird he hired a bodyguard, and especially that one. Do you mean the the lady? Yeah, Beth. Bethany. Yeah. I don't think he hired her. I think she was trying to get Iron Man's job because Iron Man's job is to protect Tony Stark. Right. As far as she knows, he is Tony Stark's bodyguard. Right. Also, they were sleeping together. Yeah, I thought that was his girlfriend. She just like felt protective or whatever. I don't think that it was her, his girlfriend, but it was somebody that he was dating. And slept I with thought she was employed, so I guess nobody really knows what she was no. doing. <laughs> well, she it was explicitly stated that she uh, was part of like a two person security company, uh, so they were they she was providing security for certain whoever's, and that's why she was there with Iron Man with Mister Ambassador, right from Carnelia, which is exactly how I wrote his name down in my notes. Well, final thoughts you were asking for, yeah. Um, well, one the plexiglass note. <laughs> completely stupid <laughs> i don't know if it's just because plexiglass was new in 1978 but he kept mentioning that he had plexiglass that would oh, drop down well, be- okay. below his ice lift in his mouth <laughs> like so, this yeah. is just a weakness of the suit that he's so preoccupied with it almost killed him though. Kill- <laughs> i know but it's like plexiglass isn't that strong and he's just so excited about it and it's like mentioning, you met you made this like almost autonomous rocket suit <laughs> and you're so excited about like a window <laughs> you're plastic yeah uh that, th- though mentioning what your thing is doing or what it's made of like yeah. he, if you go back and you read a lot of iron man comics he will often refer to his transistorized armor yes and like his transistors too. are like you know like increasing his muscle capacity or whatever yeah like, and and transistors don't do those things either like there's there's no real science behind all the weird like buzzwords they throw into these things uh, but they use them constantly. I noticed that, and I didn't yeah. care. I thought it was funny, and it, it's it's. I'm glad that they now. didn't care to like put something that's scientifically correct in. I mean, that's not the point of it. It's there's a certain naivety to these comics that yes, is interesting to look at, like pro wrestling, baby. Yeah, I think- yeah. Which, by the way, guys, I don't know if you care, but Jocelyn, my wife, and I, we uh, actually paid for a month of WWE wrestling <laughs> back in April, I think it was, when WrestleMania came on. We watched WrestleMania, then canceled the subscription. It was totally worth it. Totally worth your 10 bucks. If you guys want to watch one WrestleMania a year, just have a good Sunday night and just be like, oh my god, this is ridiculously dumb and I'm enjoying it, <laughs> do it. Or come on over to our place next year and we'll all have a big WrestleMania party. I think that'd be fun, too. That's a good idea. Yeah. Any awesome. other thoughts, Brian? Brian, any other thoughts on this? What were you just talking about before WWE? <sighs> All I can remember is WWE now. Technology, transistors. Yeah. Oh, technology, and... yes. So speaking of the technology, I actually really liked that they were using stuff that was happening at the time. Oh, yeah. That made people excited. As opposed time. to like yeah. future future inventing stuff, uh, like sure. sci-fi kind of stuff. Which yeah. is what a lot of comics do now, <clears throat> yeah. Um, like, you know... Like you were talking about the airplane, how it looks ridiculous, but that yeah. at the time, that was the first time they had a wide body airplane. Mm. You have to think about it. So, like a lot of people didn't fly it, and so they were like really excited so it was cool to see it in a comic, right? Yeah, it was yeah. like cool to hear somebody talk about transistors, right? 
or plexiglass. Because these were words maybe you heard somebody mention <clears throat> who knew who knew a lot more about the way electronics worked than you. <laughs> right. So you knew the word, but you didn't really know what it meant. Right. But it was exciting. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like when we hear quantum tunneling or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Quantum computing. Yeah. All right. Oh, that's a good Todd, point. Anything else? Yeah, I mean, you know, I said my piece about sort of the lesser characters, but I, I really like Tony Stark from this too. I would just flip to a page in this where uh, where he, he feels that there's a guard. Uh, this is when he's on the island palace oh, of yeah. uh, Hammer. He feels that there's an uppity guard outside the door, so he tricks the guy <laughs> into yep. being electrocuted, yes. essentially, and then afterwards has to say, like, oh, he'll be okay in the morning. <laughs> no, he won't. I loved how casually he was just, like, lounging on the couch as the guy yes. walked in with his broken lamp. Yes, that's right. And the guy's like, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't you could that, would you? <laughs> He's like, yep, yep, I will. <laughs> yeah, that was a good moment. There's a lot yeah. of good moments. Scott, you're right. This is a fun comic in a lot of places. It's just that there's a, there's a lot of stuff in between that maybe, like, drags for, I think, me, maybe Brian. But, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of fun moments in this comic. So um, I got, like, a couple more points. All right, let's hear them. You want to hear them all? I want to, yeah, let's go rapid fire shot. You guys haven't mentioned one of the the superheroes that's in here that I thought had one of the best cameos, which was Ant Man. We mentioned Ant Man. You did? Yeah. Yeah, that was incredible. He was we awesome. Talked about how he infiltrated Rikers and then like intimidated uh, Whiplash and got the okay. information about yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was just thinking of Whiplash there. All right, no, so Ant Man's uh, <laughs> cool, but that was cool. Yeah, I liked how Ant Man was in there and he like kept it secret. Like Iron Man doesn't even know that he's Ant Man, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it just the whole like overtly black and white they think about the politics in the world. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a cool kind of just way to go back to like the thinking of the 80s maybe and they just talked about communism like it's clearly just evil communism you know like yeah this <laughs> this this was Reagan's comic yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but i mean it just obviously it's just the contrast between tony being a complete capitalist and and the communism out there but there was a lot of that black and white type of stuff that like you probably wouldn't see in a, a comic book today because we're always trying to make nuance and and talk about the gray areas and this was just like unadulterated black and white thinking good and evil mm-hmm. you know communism capitalism it was just i thought that was kind of cool i like that yeah it's a little time capsule for you yeah exactly yeah yeah cool well one of the things we've talked about with this podcast is that we would possibly do rotating chairs if we couldn't find people to permanently stay in as uh, guests so i mean i asked scott you and todd to kind of fill those chairs for the first episode but I'm curious, do you guys want to do another one sometime soon? Um, and if so, we should talk about what we're going to read. Yeah, I'd, I would be interested. Scott? Yeah, I'm I'm interested. I'm sure you don't want to... I mean, I probably don't have the be- I probably don't have the best analysis of comic books. I don't think that's important, you know? I, I no. think getting the <laughs> no, perspective of somebody who isn't completely... No, uh, I enjoyed a lot it. Of comic books is, yeah, good. No, I, I think that your perspective is maybe one of the most important perspectives to have on a, on a, in a discussion like this. I, I hope um, people enjoy hearing about it. I think it's probably interesting for people, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll definitely read the book, and if you guys feel like I fit into the to whatever the group is, then uh, I'm more no, than happy to do it. Yeah, it's no, fun. I, I, I like having you here uh, for all the reasons that you you have a lot of good things to say and you your perspective is definitely a little bit different from the, the rest of us. Cool. Uh, yeah, at some point I'd like to get one of our, our wives in here too because I feel like getting a female perspective in on some of the, the storylines we're going to read would be good too. Uh, but, you know, that's that's in the future, whenever. 
but yeah abby's got a couple that she's suggested bitch planet rat queens things like that. <laughs> oh is she reading bitch planet oh yeah i got issue two after someone suggested it issue one was sold out i, I still haven't even started it because i've got this massive backlog of non-marvel comics that i've barely touched but it's um, it's like most sci-fi writing it's better mm-hmm. in concept than it is in you know like character development and things like that okay it's that's its value. I Jocelyn think. mentioned that she wanted to do sex criminals at some point. Oh, yeah. We got that, too. Yeah, sex criminals is good. Yep. All right. Is that a wrap? That's a wrap. That's yeah, a wrap. How, how do you typically end this? What's the, what do yeah, we right? do for the ending? We give our parting words of advice or our best, our favorite lines from the book. What do we do? No, yeah, we what's, your favorite, off, right? what's your favorite line oh, from the no, book? Oh, no, not me first. Okay, I've got one. Yeah. It's Armageddon, the tank of God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I liked Namor's speech on page six of 121. Make one threatening move, Avenger. It will be your last. And then Tony Stark's just like, I'm... <clears throat> he coughs for like an entire panel. Alive. <laughs> you are because of me. You may have joined your fellow surface men in attacking Hiram Dobbs, Iron Man. But you've e'er been a noble foe in the past, and you deserve a noble death. One which, if you choose to continue your aggression, I shall be forced to bring about. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. Yeah. I was a big fan of Namor on this. Brian. I'm kind of lame. I didn't have any. I liked. Oh. Next time, uh, man. Next time. There's a, there's a bunch. There's Okay, here. I'll give, I'll maybe, give one for maybe. Brian. Maybe okay. when when all the guys are announcing their abilities and then using their powers <laughs> against Iron Man. <laughs> That's yeah. great. That's pretty good. Like, I'm discus, and he throws discs. Yeah. That's oh, true. I was just going to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> you talk big, hero, and you're going to fall hard when discus cuts you down to size. <laughs> Doesn't he just reply to that with, like, come on, I'm Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. Something yeah, like says, that. Oh, come on, I'm <laughs> Iron Man. That's my favorite line. Oh, come on, I'm Iron Man, remember? <laughs> there we go. Maybe that's how we close the podcast. Oh, come on. I'm, I'm Iron, Iron Man, Man, remember? <laughs> Title. <laughs> There we go. All right, guys. All right, next time we will be reading something Star Wars-y, Thanksgiving-y, or Walter Simonson's run on Thor. All right, goodbye, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.